From multiple gameful locations in Minneapolis or near enough, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Alan Rust, creative director at The Game Agency, to discuss gameful UX, team workflow, and building lightweight assets for browser games. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Welcome, Alan. Hey, it's good to be here. You and I have known each other for a while, and we talk about this stuff anyway, so we might as well record it and <laughs> and have other people share in your wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're too kind. I don't know about wisdom, but it's definitely, uh, I, I think people say, that guy won't shut up about this stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> that It makes for a good podcast. Yeah, it's, uh, it is so. what we like to hear, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So be ready for one question and an hour of talking. Perfect. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we're used to anyway. Yeah, choose carefully. Um, so... So, Alan, we can talk a little bit about your background, but just to kind of kick things off, you and I met because you and I worked in the same building for a while um, when I worked for Alan Interactions, and you um, are like the core of the Twin Cities arm of the game agency. Right. Um, the one and only person uh, in the company in the Twin Cities. It yes, sounded cooler when I called it the core, I will say. <laughs> yeah, the core. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, when COVID came along, uh, it might have shook everybody else's world, but I was already just a satellite sitting in a box talking on, you know, every conceivable call video chat you could think of already. And it was, uh, I hadn't done a lot of that beforehand too. So it was very new to me. That was my COVID like three years ago. <laughs> that uh, little boot camp of, okay, is this going to work? This kind of sucks. But now I like it because, you know, I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> sweet sweet yeah <laughs> well that was my question so i guess we... <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> um well generally in the in the past when you and i have spoken in person and we we wore pants um but we did. it is we did. Thing, things are different these days um i will not speak to my pants situation one way or the other um i'll have a schrodinger's pants situation for the rest of the show um <laughs> but we we like we geeked out a lot we started we talked a lot about um i think when we really started geeking out is when you started showing me a whole bunch of things that you were doing with adobe xd um but i don't want to get ahead of ourselves so um can you maybe talk a little bit about how you got into ux what kind of work you do with the game agency and other cool stuff yeah um, my history is uh, I'm kind of one of those people that has a very wide, you know, just a wide swath of creative. Uh, uh, in, I call them interests. I wouldn't say talents. Um, they're interests. Uh, they've slowly turned into different careers throughout my life. But, uh, you know, I started off actually as an actor, a musician, went to L.A., lived there, uh, went to school for that. Uh, then really realized that film was uh, what I wanted to do. I went back to film school, did that, um, came back here to the Midwest and started touring with the Blenders, which my brother is also a part of. We've been together for 30 years, um, just recording albums, touring, that kind of thing. And what's funny is because we were touring around, I had so much free time, you know, you're just basically doing gigs at night. And so my days were 
really about uh, self-teaching design because I've always been a graphic designer. I wouldn't call myself an artist. Um, you know, uh, just even in art class, I was always uh, a, a, you know a graphic type person. And slowly throughout the years, just kind of developed a client base on my own. I was a freelancer for many years. And then uh, after we kind of stopped being uh, a full-time touring group, I went and worked in mostly marketing and advertising, doing a lot of ads, doing a lot of that kind of stuff, art directing, photo shoots, that kind of thing. And then um, slowly, I'm old. That's why like it's taking so long to get to the <laughs> UX part because UX didn't exist. Um, <laughs> so then eventually, you know, websites, uh, were getting, actually getting designed by marketing companies. Uh, we were actually taking them on and, uh, uh, that's kind of my foray slow, but sure foray into UX design. And that's kind of where I live and breathe. And it kind of cascades into just about anything actually, because since I still do a lot of, uh, video shoots and animation and things that aren't necessarily UX based, I approach them that way because everything has to be storyboarded. Everything has to be thought uh, through uh, with the end user in mind. And so even if it's not proper, uh, you know, UX design, websites, games, uh, platforms, portals, all that stuff, um, I, that, that, type of design thinking goes into everything that I do. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned being old because we were just making fun of Steven for his his back pain, which is a horrible <laughs> thing to say and do. I, I'm, the, I'm but... the youngest member of the clubhouse and yeah, my back hurts today. So I don't know how long. <laughs> Mark and I were like, we're really enjoying yeah, it. I'm getting used going to on. it. <laughs> Oh, your back hurts, huh? Oh, that's oh, yeah. too bad okay. for you. Wow. <laughs> oh, it must be rough. <laughs> yeah. It must be rough. Well, I, I respond a lot to the your your multidisciplinary background because I've also had a storied background in, you know, film and design and, and music and various things. And and I I feel similarly like it inf- it really informs what I do now. And it took a long time to get there for me. And like your story, it's like it it only makes sense because of all the the stuff you did along the way. That's what I'm hearing from you anyway. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I I wonder if you feel this way when I, each time I made a move to a different, you know, obviously all these interests were there, you know, bubbling up. But when you make a move to an actual career throughout, you know, like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to leave acting and I'm going to go be filmmaker. I'm going to be a filmmaker. I have to go back to school. Great. No one's going to like that. Uh, (laughs) That just every time you switch gears, you feel like, at least I went through this. I felt like, oh boy, you're, you're, you're screwing you're screwing your momentum up. People are passing you by. All that that kind of thing goes through your head. You're like, gosh, you're just going to be another jack of all trades and not really settle in on anything. That's what I felt for years. But I slowly realized, you know, if you stick with that, those, that wide swath, mm-hmm. that they do build upon each other. And it's like building a little pyramid and you can stand on top of it and go, oh, wow. You know, like when I, when I parse out, being a creative director now too, which is like I, I haven't been a creative director for that long, that many years. And it's knowing what it takes to do all of everyone's jobs 
is really important because you yeah. know, well, number one for budgeting, you're like, well, I know how many hours that actually takes. <laughs> yeah. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's negotiate mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But also just, uh, for giving direction, uh, it's just, I can speak everybody's language. You know, I can, I can talk with a developer and we're speaking the same de- language. I can yeah. talk to an artist or an illustrator or a, you know, uh, camera operator or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it mm-hmm. just, it's, uh, it's really handy. It's, it's come in really, really handy. And so now I don't feel so bad for switching around <laughs> so much. I do feel sort of similarly. I think it, it, you never stop wondering if you had stuck with something a little bit longer, you'd have, you'd have like, oh, I wouldn't have gotten these, this next step or this next step, but where would I have been if I stuck with that first step? But I know when I was working in advertising, project managers love me because, because you have a more holistic sense of like the whole picture and yeah. you have a better right. appreciation I wonder if you feel this way. You have a better appreciation of the stuff you don't know. You you can you can mm-hmm. you can better imagine yourself in a position you've never had because of all the ones you you have had, and it gives you kind of this professional right. empathy that gives you kind of a shortcut when when you're yeah. starting something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That 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 that's definitely true. Um, yeah, I, f- I find that you know. I wouldn't say I'm the greatest at filtering through new hires. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, maybe that's just because I haven't been the direct uh, creative director for a decade yet. You know, it's just, I, I, I've only been doing it now for close to five years, you know, where you're kind of more about managing people. And I really, that's not what I'm about. I'm not, man- I'm not about managing people. Mm-hmm. I'm about managing projects and, and, and getting excited about, the elements within them. The problem is when you are kind of a, you know, a, a catch-all. You're a generalist, and I don't, I don't, I, I love the word generalist now. Whereas before, I thought it was kind of a, oh, that sounds weak. <laughs> um, now I love it. It's like, no, I'm a generalist. It's like whenever, whenever, because if I can't find somebody to fill the the gap, that's like, oh, I need, I need a you know, another XD guy or, you know, somebody doing uh, UX and I need an animator or I need a, somebody to go shoot this thing or, or do the voiceover for that. It's like, if the we get to the end of the wire and I haven't found the right person, it's like, well, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and you just do it, you know? You see this as a positive? Know, so what I, Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> <laughs> it can be. It can be. I think, you know, so what I, what my, the biggest thing, the biggest hurdle I've had to learn is, what I just said, which is that's the ideal is that you, Oh, you can, you can champion, come to the, to the, be the, whatever the, the hero at the end of the day, when, when you don't have somebody or somebody drops out and you're like, well, I got it. I'll just, I'll just do it. Mm -hmm. That's great. But before that, (laughs) I was just doing too much and that's dangerous. Right. really dangerous. So mm-hmm. if you're capable of doing a lot of things and you want to, you just like, oh, I just want to do that too. Cause like, oh, that's so cool. I don't want to hand that over. <laughs> uh, you know, so that's, that's the thing you got to learn to do as a creative director is like, okay, your job is to find good people to do good things. And, you know, and if you are a doer, you know, uh, if you're, if you're still a doer, you know, you throw your hat in the ring when you have to. And that's, you know, that's what I'm still learning is like, don't throw your hat in the ring so soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand that. I think everyone here understands what you're talking about, actually, Alan. Yeah. I'm looking at looking at you, Stephen, for jobs, McGregor. <laughs> I, I wanted the experience. <laughs> so I applied for everything. <laughs> I've narrowed the jobs down. I think I have one job at this point. <laughs> 
He thinks. He thinks, dear listener. I'm not sure. I got. He's going to have to get back to you. Yeah. Well, one job and the podcasting side gig, and you did just ship a game, so then right, you got yeah, rid okay. of that second side gig. Yeah. I forget. Nice Games Club kind of counts as a job, sort of. So that kind of does. It's two. It's two. Join our Patreon, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so one, you know, one thing I would yeah. say that is great that I would love to do someday to take advantage of that do all do everything is to do one of those like 24 hour, like make a game, like, you know, just literally throw something to those marathons where you, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what they are. I've never done them. I mean, I, you know, I'm new to the game industry, you know, like, and our company does e-learning training, you know, so most of our games are, are geared toward uh, training and uh, e-learning that kind of stuff and we do have a platform of set games that you can just bring your content to and just plug it in and you're you're off to the races right Mm -hmm. but uh so that's not to say that i wouldn't like want to do that sometime (laughs) just like okay we've got whatever it is you have 24 hours Mm -hmm. to build a game like yeah i'll take five of those jobs yeah when i was doing the other three or four back when i was finished one yeah yeah ellen and i just finished one um it was a 72 hour game jam so not quite as oppressive i know you may have done this when you were doing film stuff but i I used to do these 24 hour film festivals where you make a thing in a day and there are 24 hour game jams but they're (laughs) they're brutal like you want a two or three day game jam at the minimum but you don't want much more than that because then you can start to like your scope can go like three days is really nice and ellen and i just did one yeah we did um and we already sowed the seeds of planning for the next one so we will maybe add you to the loop um so if you're interested um but that's like an entire second episode like six kids won't let it happen probably but you never know we'll make them join it (laughs) (laughs) i mean they've got friends they can do a weekend sleepover right it's yeah (laughs) (laughs) take care of yourself kids (laughs) Just make, a, just make a couple of sandwiches, leave them on the counter, and, yeah. and come back on Monday. Dash, your DoorDash gift <laughs> card. Yeah. That's why you have six of them, right? So they can watch each other. That's how I, I know, got the right? system. They're, they're all pretty old. They, they, they take care of themselves already. <laughs> so. um, well, I want to come back just to give listeners some context and also to give more information to Stephen and to Mark, who haven't, I don't think, looked a lot at the things that the game agency does, but... Um, like you mentioned, the game agency does like training games and you mentioned that you do sort of e-learning things, but I, I mean, you do, you guys do a ton of different, like a range of different things. You guys have been doing, you know, training games that are kind of built as one-offs. You have the platform, the training arcade, which is like an authoring tool as well, but you also do lots of builds for, um, for like company conferences and things like that, where you're building custom games for, you know, big organizations that are bringing people in for some kind of specialty event. So can you talk a right. little bit more about what kind of games you guys make and and for whom and what your development cycle looks like big picture, just to kind of lay some context. Yeah. Out? Yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, obviously we, we, we do custom work and that's all well and good, but you know, that is expensive for a lot of companies to, to, you know, it's one thing to build even a, you know, a, a learning course, you know, a learning course can take a lot of design back and forth, with the client, and you're like, wow, what did we build with all that money? Like, mm-hmm. not much, you know what I mean? I've, I've done some of those, I'm, this is not even gaming. And you're like, why does this take so long and cost so much, you know? And then, 
now loop in the the gamified part of that about it and you're you're just exploding it right when when it comes to custom builds mm -hmm. so while we do that we do have a platform that allow right now it has um oh, i misquote it now eight or nine uh game uh let's call them game mechanics okay. and they're you know a lot of them are things you've seen there's like the jump game a lot of these are mo very mobile friendly because they're supposed to be kind of um a more casual way to approach learning like hey when you can jump in here you know and have have some fun along the way um games are obviously a way to engage and keep them more you know coming back to and, and learning something a second time is always hard when it's like boring course <laughs> but when it's a game it's like okay well yeah, that was kind of fun i kind of had fun you know and i learned something sure you know but the so the platform allows you to kind of pick up pick a mechanic like say a jump game or like a uh there's there's stuff like uh, uh these match games where you match tiles and stuff and they, some of them are kind of like social like that like where it's just mm -hmm. a little bit of fun and then you pepper in the information or the questions so it's kind of like a a back and forth and which is really good for your mind because mm -hmm. your your mind is constantly switching from this kind of uh, reward, fun, uh, part of your brain. And then you're going into a cognitive skill of answering a question that's about work. <laughs> you're like, what? Uh, and it's weird, but it actually, that, that, that not only makes it a little easier to swallow, but it also kind of, I was going to say impregnates, but I'm going to, it impregnates that information in your brain differently mm -hmm. because you're activating it differently when i look you know i've done a lot of courses just with clients that we have i have to like you know you have to sit through some of their some of their security stuff or whatever and, and you're like none of this is getting in my head because i just yeah. want it over right you just like click 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 did i get 80 percent? no oh crap you know yeah. <laughs> and yes. we gotta go back right mm -hmm. so the idea the, the core idea of the game uh adding gamified you know play is to kind of break that chain of boredom and and also just activate your mind differently. And it really does work. Um, anyway, so we have like these, these, these different mechanics that you can pick from. And what's great about it is that you're not building out a whole new thing. You have uh, the ability to reskin it that's a slight custom build but you can you know you can add some your brand colors obviously and that's kind of out of the box but let's say you wanted to kind of reskin it and have it you know kind of represent your brand a little bit differently you can do that and it's really low lift and it's also a lot a lot cheaper and so it's subscription based and they can put their employees on here have them play a bunch of stuff and all you have to do is bring your content i i need to teach them this okay type it in, the game takes care of it, and you're off to the races. Uh, we also have, uh, on top of that, we have, um, I wouldn't call it an LMS, but it's it's uh, it's like a game, uh, uh, what would you call it, like a game portal, or basically what it does is, if you've got a bunch of our games out there, um, and you can post them all different ways, right? It could be just linked and not like even connected to your LMS, or you could. Learning management system. Oh yeah, learning management system. <laughs> thank yeah. you, thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, learning management system, similar to a CMS, except it's all just learning analytics of how people did and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, 
we have something that's called the arcade that lets you uh, that lets or arcades plural that kind of pulls all those games into one place so you can see how you're how as a player because obviously the back end the, the the people who are trying to teach you all this stuff they can see how you're doing they can see how the whole company is doing mm-hmm. but we wanted to put something that was forward facing allowed uh, players to actually see. And we call them players as opposed to learners. We want to make it fun. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like we bring all these players together so you can see how each other are doing. And then you can challenge each other to different things. And that's that just makes it – and you get rewards and all these kind of fun things. Uh, and it's not as boring as, say, a company's LMS is, which is all you do is kind of see your uh, how you're doing and you get notifications of, how you're doing and yeah this is more about of challenging each other and seeing how we, each other is doing uh so that's kind of a new thing we put out there but the the latest and greatest fun that we've brought to the table is we've we've uh actually uh acquired some ip from sony so we we now have a couple of game builds that is official i'm doing air quotes official uh jeopardy which You've probably seen Jeopardy uh, all over the place. Uh, schools do it a lot, and mm-hmm. people are doing versions in PowerPoint to teach people and that sort of stuff. Well, we have the official thing. The bells and whistles are there. We have all the the fun uh, audio. We we did all of our own voiceover for it using their uh, actual uh, the actual uh, announcer from the game or from the show, and it mimics the show uh, a- as best as possible. And, uh, and we're doing that. We just are now releasing uh, Wheel of Fortune as well. And I was a little skeptical about Wheel of Fortune, to tell you the truth. I'm like, okay, you're spinning, you're getting points, or you're getting money. And then we're putting it, it, it. I wasn't so sure about it. I thought it would be kind of flat, but it is probably the most exciting one we built because there's so many bells and whistles in there. You got all the audio cues. And again, we went back to the show and we had the announcer do all of the cues or like he's like you know that's a good spin and all all that great (laughs) stuff that makes a game cool Mm -hmm. you know is people interacting with you and talking and saying hey that's good job oh that letter's up there and he's doing all this fun stuff and Mm -hmm. you know that kind of takes us into the audio topic of how much audio blew that game out of the out Mm -hmm. of the it just it was it Mm -hmm. it's wall-to-wall sound i mean it's like the music the spinning of the wheel the the lights uh or like the when the letters pop up everything has a sound what you would expect in a game right you want like that kind of stuff and it is the most fun learning game i could think of i didn't i didn't think it would but i think it's the audio that really uh just blew it out I, I I'm really fascinated by how you're describing this because it sounds a lot very similar to the the work that some of my my company has done. We have our own like web um we have like a web browser collective of games and stuff too. But we use them for more um economic purposes. <laughs> <laughs> very gently put. <laughs> yeah, that's the nice charitable charitable way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Um but like like I I really like how you're describing all those things because like I think that like all of those features that we put on our games to make more money is a is is also can also be um, um, uh, motivation to you know help other people be motivated to learn and to play these games to get better at the games and learn about the mm-hmm. learn about the things that the, the company's trying to teach them um, and so I think that like that is a much that's that's like a fascinating avenue into that and and you're really you're like even using like 
I guess kind of like fancy casino flashy techniques to get people to engage with learning in a way that you right. know, a boring um a boring talk would not you know get them to engage with in the way if if they're not interested in the topic. I think that's really I think that's really good. Like, that's yeah, cool. it's all engagement by a thousand names, right? Like just the mm-hmm. using the language of games, the framework of it, the presentation to yeah. to, to I, I mean it's I think it's tempting to say like spoonful of sugar, right? Makes the medicine go down because mm-hmm. that's that's a little dismissive, in fact. But um, but it's really it's like the it's the des- game design of it, really, that, that it's it's not separate from the content wholly and it's not yeah. a trick exactly, but it is yeah. just an alternate way to present it, which is really interesting. Um, I'm really curious about because, um, I mean, I've played jeopardy and wheel of fortune games on like nes like the the licensed versions of the the home game right i and right. they're not all great like it's kind of hard to take a game show and make a video game on it like that's its own challenge yeah well i just wanted to add a wrinkle into that because the other thing that's the key the other key thing that makes this game um build valuable is the fact that the content is fluid Right. So with mm-hmm. the platform that you've described, Alan, subscribers go in and they can answer, they can enter their own questions and they can change their own content. So oh, all yeah. the assets you've created and the game design itself <clears throat> has to work with content that is TBD, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right. it's it, it, there is it will mess your mind up uh, <laughs> the what you have to think ahead on with these, uh, especially companies will have content that isn't well written. You know, it's like, well, you need to be a little more concise with your your questions or your, you know, like just just for an example, we have to we have to uh, account for the potential of having you know, like say in a wheel of fortune, they usually have a category, right? And it's yeah. usually a one word thing or a two word thing. Well, they're going to probably put a phrase in like a, a paragraph of text in there. Mm-hmm. And we have to build for that. We have to, I mean, granted at some point you count, you cut, you have to cut them off and say, well, you get like, you know, 250 characters. And that's overkill, but <laughs> yeah, uh, don't make me pull it, out it, these it, ellipses. Like <laughs> exactly, exactly. They will be there. Uh, so you have to kind of account for this this uh, endless potential of content that's going to go into the game. And then there's languages, which is already going to be a little bit painful, uh, you know, especially for certain games. I mean, Wheel of Fortune especially is one of those where, like, how can we build the board to be working, uh, you know, in Japanese? I don't really think we can. There's certain games that just aren't going to work in every language Mm -hmm. so um to kind of circle back to mark's question just now alan can you kind of describe the process that you used um to kind of start prototyping how this would work um and you could use jeopardy as an example as i think we're already on the topic but like i'm assuming it's kind of gonna echo the process that you've shown me in the past where you're starting to do wireframes and prototyping in xd and i was hoping you could talk a little bit about how that you might have iterated on that to get to a point where the the Jeopardy build, for instance, or the Wheel of Fortune build, for instance, ended up being good in contrast to some of the games that Mark may have experienced that maybe weren't so good versions of it. How did you get there? How did you make it good? Um, that's a good question. Well, one of the things that makes it good is that you just try to make it as much like the show as you can. Um, like doing intro, like, you know, uh, and, and you have to keep these things light, of course, because it's, uh, it's web, this is web-based stuff. 
Um, so, you know, something as simple as you kicking off the show, we have a theme song and let's show, you know, like Sony would have their hand in there, like wanting certain things like you got to show the set. And I'm like, but it's a game. It's like, I can't play, <laughs> we can't play this game on the set. So uh, how I allowed that to work was just in the intro. We did like this pan and scan across the set where you'd see where the players were. You could see where the, you know, where, where, uh, What's his name? Uh, Alex Trebek would be standing. You mean LeVar Burton. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, nobody's on set. It's just an empty set. Mm, but like, yeah. uh, and you might have a car in the background, which you could win. And then there's the board itself, right? And this shiny black floor that goes on forever and all the all the great lights. And it's like, hey, that is a, that is a cool visual. We, we do want to use that, but we're not going to like, play a video of that so what we did was we took a giant uh panoramic shot of it and just panned and scanned it right mm -hmm. using javascript so we just like scanned across it and it was timed with the music and what it wipe it you're done you know like there's your <laughs> there's your set we we got it now let's focus on the board uh because um and there, that's its own problem too because the board depending on your content has to grow. So like, it's not going to be a standard board. It's going to have to be a board that could, you know, be, you know, four by five, it could be six by, you know, like we, ah. there has to have all that flexibility to grow and like, Oh, we're only going to have three topics, you know, or three categories or so we allowed for a certain flexibility and, and Ellen, you worked on this with me. Um, that was, kind of a you know a pain too to kind of like think about that but i was already wanting to get us out of some of our past games that were kind of baked into a kind of uh an aspect ratio and i said we got to make this responsive let's allow this to scale for viewport and uh it was a little harder because of you know because of the you know the staticness of the board itself um, but I think we achieved that. And there were cer certain other things that I really wanted to get a handle on. And that was that had to do with the text as, as well. Uh, a lot of Jeopardy's stuff is all center aligned text. Well, when you put corporate content in there and it's like, okay, now we're getting to three lines worth of content, you know, and it's yeah. center aligned. You don't want to look at content that way. <laughs> and, uh, and of course you would have some dangling, you know, one word at the end, you know, that kind of thing. So we found a, a piece of JavaScript that would allow us to do auto, uh, you know, like say if you're a designer and you've ever worked in InDesign, uh, there's, there's a way to just balance the paragraph, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a piece of code that just balances the paragraph. So you don't have these ragged sides or mm -hmm. you don't have one word at the very end <laughs> of your paragraph. So we did stuff like that using JavaScript that would like suck it all up and kind of make it a nice tight, like basically make it look like each piece of text that would appear, they were these clues, if you will, not answer, or are they answers? What are they? I can't remember. Jeffrey, you got to go backwards on everything. Oh, yeah. So um, deep, deep cut. Yeah, deep <laughs> cut on there. that one. But, you know, each piece of content that would come up, this, you know, text looks like somebody curated it. Yeah. Somebody designed it and made sure that it was nice and tight. And that's, you know, using little pieces of code to kind of help you keep the thing looking tight because it really could fall off the rails so easily with this un 
you know, like you say, TV, <laughs> DVD uh, content, you know, it's coming yeah, up. Who knows yeah. what this is going to be? Um, and that's, that's the real challenge. I think it's, it's much more challenging than the design of it, uh, itself because, you know, these games already exist. We're, we're trying to mimic them as close as possible. So we're, we're, we're actually getting resources from Sony. We're getting their uh, sound effects. We're getting their music. We're getting, you know, granted Jeopardy didn't have, doesn't have music during the play. So we had to go license some music uh, or I, I think I created some music for some of it. And then we licensed some just during the play to keep that energy up. Right. Because that, that show, if you've ever watched it, it's, it's really great to fall asleep to. It's a lot of silent <laughs> stage sound. <laughs> yeah. Guess what, y'all? What? Yeah, you're supposed to guess. That's the point. That's why. We're- oh, flamingos. Um, <laughs> uh, Twenty-two. Uh, Ninety-seven. Okay, all right. Um, I, I realized this was a mistake. I should purple. Have done this. Uh, <laughs> we've got a T-shirt. Ooh, what? you can buy Nice Games That Club the logo on a T-shirt. It looks so slick. Um, this was made by Mark, um, and it's it's beautiful. Um, I love it so. It's 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 soft. And it makes a great gift. You can get all of the friends that you know this t-shirt. You should do that. You can, it's a cool t-shirt. It's a t-shirt you can wear? It's a t-shirt you can wear. And it comes in different sizes? It comes, comes in, in different men's sizes. and women's sizes. I believe it also comes in child sizes. I'll have to check on that. Yeah. But um, yeah. that's available for you. It's a really nice, high-quality shirt for you. It's not going to be one of those like kind of starchy shirts that like you'd never want to wear, you know, even though you support no, the no. thing. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things yeah. that you're going to want to like... I mean, wear it to a wedding. Yes. Oh. That's that's my guarantee. Yes. This is I, what I'll be in when I get married. Write it down, write it down, write it down. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you're <laughs> It's on the internet, Stephen. It lives I forever. Know. That's what I get. If you're interested in, in purchasing the shirt, and why wouldn't you be? You can visit nicegames.club slash shirt to purchase. What was that again, Stephen? Nicegames.club slash shirt. Sorry, one more time. I wasn't listening at all. <laughs> NiceGames.club slash shirt. It really says shirt. The URL really is shirt. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's so fascinating that you there's a bunch of different criteria that your design has to meet. It has to meet like an a, just you're describing aesthetic criteria. It has to look like it was handmade, but it also has to 
or hand laid out anyway. But it also has to right. meet the criteria of being an empty bucket. It has to hold any content you put in it. Um, I mean, within some constraints, I imagine. But it also has to have mm -hmm. normal UX experience for a, a, um, a, for this type of ex like a learning game. But that is in conflict with the other demand, which is that it needs to feel like Jeopardy. And right. on top of all of that, it, you you set up the constraint that it has to be responsive, and and all of that needs to adapt to various styles. The thing about those are all achievable goals independently, but the as you describe them, I could feel them all pulling at each other in a way oh, okay. that is different from other <laughs> projects that are either uh, you know um, like white label e learning products or a Jeopardy adaptation or this particular content and how to best present it. Uh, in the cleanest way to its intended audience. Those are challenges that are hard enough on their own, but you have to do them all at once. Um, and right. I, that is, that's a, I, I don't know, I find that really like an exciting challenge. Uh, was there any part of it that, I mean, I imagine there was a lot of heads banging against walls along the way, but did uh, yeah. the uniqueness of it, did uh, was it more appreciation and more frustration uh, having all of these demands on it? Um... I think I think for Jeopardy there was more frustration for me because I didn't have enough time for it. We were under constraints and we had to bang it out. Mm -hmm. It's very <laughs> stressful. I think I think the thing that uh, you know was the good thing is we had a we we developed a good rapport with Sony. I worked with Sony when I in in because I worked with. Uh, a company that does uh, film and television distribution. And I know how long it can take to get something approved. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had to approve a lot of stuff. And this went much faster. And I was glad for that. Of course, there was two factors to it because Sony, you know, there's the production company that actually, uh, you know, created uh, Jeopardy. And then you've got Sony who has owns the license to it and, and owns the property. So you've got a lot of people to talk to, a lot of things to clear, but we were able to walk them through some of the challenges of this being a learning uh, tool. Uh, this is not straight up the game itself. We need ways to make this a learning experience. Um, and Jeopardy, you know, is in its, you know, uh, as it is, the game itself is an assessment tool, really. It's like, what do you already know? It's mm -hmm. a test. Mm -hmm. So uh, how do you make it a learning experience? And so we have these interstitials and things that are that allow uh, content builders, you know, uh, instructional uh, designers wh who are creating these courses and plugging them into the game. Uh, they can pick all these different ways to uh, inform you along the way and it breaks the game up a little bit mm -hmm. uh, but that's kind of the ebb and flow of what games uh, coupled to training is all about it's about you know it's each thing is getting broken up a little bit uh, and that's good uh, I think Wheel of Fortune wa was just so much it's so funny because I, I, I didn't see it as a learning game uh, but if you look at the, I, I wasn't familiar with the game aside from just watching it blindly, uh, you know, as a kid for, you know, it's been around forever now. Right. Um, it, it's, it does have elements that can be 
about uh, learning. And there is, uh, some people want to use a game for assessment. They actually, that's a great use of a game. And they're, you know, if you have uh, people going and reading something or watching a video, and now we're going to play a game as opposed to testing you. So a lot of times games are used as that and that alone. And uh, one of the things I was thinking, I was like, well, you you do all the spinning and you're, you've got your, you you're building up how much money you have. And then you're, you're, you're slowly solving a puzzle. Right. And I was, and I didn't realize that there's other parts to the game. There is the toss up, which is like, they're just filling the board for you. And is, is if you can answer really quickly. And so there are elements of there's three different types of rounds in, uh, in wheel of fortune. And, uh, the toss up round is a great, like, that's how we kind of sell it. It's like, Hey, if you want to assess people, use the toss up rounds, you know, mm. you could, you could build and you can build a game. And we got approval to do this, but through Sony, we can allow the instructional designers to pick any, uh, round they want and they can put them in order if they want, if they want to mm. do just a set of toss ups and like, we're just going to test you and it's going to be a really quick game because that goes really fast. Um, you can do that or you can pepper it in. You can, you can have regular play later in the game. So they have all this flexibility on top of interstitials that are more informative. So if you want to like in the middle of the game, I want you to watch this short little video about our company, or I want you to read this little paragraph or uh, whatever. They're allowed to do that. They're allowed to break it up any way they want. And that can be, pretty hard to build <laughs> yeah. actually and yeah. in the back end in the back end where they're designing their game uh, one of the things we really wanted to do is like can we get out of the drop down fields and the just the if you the if you've ever been inside just a, a, a cms or an lms or whatever mm-hmm. you're just like i i want to see the damn game you know and so we built the back end to look like the puzzle board and you're filling in the puzzle mm. as you want to see it. You can edit it as you want. And it's as fun. It's kind of as fun as playing, you know, it's like, yeah. I have all this content. I'm going to start typing it in. And we allow them to kind of like do more uh, boilerplate content where it's like, okay, these are all the words or these are all the phrases I want. I don't even know how I'm building this game. And we allowed for them to do that. Whereas before, a lot of times people would have these spreadsheets of things and then they'd slowly type it in and then they might go, Oh, this should go before that. And, and now there's this two, you know, one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. Uh, We wanted to allow them to just put your content in there and now figure out how to build the game and do it visually. So it's actually kind of fun to build too. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that'll be a big hit once that's uh, out. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. So, um, Alan, just to kind of recap for people who maybe haven't done this kind of work before, basically people are going to be using the platform to design an instance of the game, to to build an instance of the game with the content. And so you're talking about like not just the UX of the game itself, but also the UX of the back end, which I'm bringing up again to make the point that these things, both the back end and the, the game itself have to run on, you know, internet connections that may vary widely in quality and consistency. And yes. corporate machines, which are potatoes, often. <laughs> um, so, what are some of the things that you make that you you know decisions and and things that you do um, as the creative director, and then also as a UX designer 
to make sure that these things can run on potatoes. Right, right. Uh, Compression, compression, compression. Um, (laughs) That's where, you know, having come through from the music industry and understanding, uh, you know, I, I, especially audio and, and, and the, in the film industry, I mean, I, I, all of these things, like we talked about these, these this pyramid you're building of skill sets uh, is that there's an understanding. Um, I don't have to farm this out and go find a third party to like figure it out. It's like, God, we have all this stuff, all these videos, or we have all this music wall to wall triggering of music throughout this thing. Can you go figure it out? Like, no, I know how to figure that out, you know, and, mm-hmm. and some of our developers do too. And we're just in, in, you know, we're, we, it's nice that you understand how to make stuff super, super, super light. And at the same time, you're like, you're just on the cusp of like deterioration <laughs> on some things, you know, it's like, okay, that's not going to fly. That's garbage. But, um, I think that's the goal is to constantly tweak like that. And uh, when we do that a lot with everything, it's uh, whether it's images, like right now, one of the last things we're dealing with as we uh, are on the cusp of rolling out uh, Wheel of Fortune is we use, uh, for all of our animations, we use Lotties. Mm. Uh, If anybody's ever heard of that, that's, uh, you know, a a protocol that was developed by the, the developers at Airbnb and now it's being pushed out as a public, an awesome, you know, thing that anyone can just use. And they, they also have a great website called LottieFiles.com that allows you to throw your JSON files up and see how they look. You don't have to build something to, to run them. Mm. Uh, and you can, sh- you know, I use it all the time to like, here's, here's our little bit of animation of such and such. And I just send somebody a link off of LottieFiles.com. They can see it. They can, uh, there's a QR code. They can just grab it and see it on their phone, which we've been doing a lot of testing. And we've found that uh, I, you know, Safari on iOS is just really chunking out on uh, Lotties and um, not so happy about that. So <laughs> we're trying to troubleshoot that right now. And that's, that's one of the things I'm dealing with right now is that we have these cool title treatments that are, very, you know, like the game, but they didn't have, they really didn't have these assets. Um, for the different rounds that I was talking about, there's three different rounds as well as the title itself. And we need that whiz bang, you know, animation to happen. And, uh, um, the problem is the art itself to look like the show, it's kind of like, it's not vector art and that's what Lotties are. They're, they're, they're designed to be vector art. Mm -hmm. And, um, I could certainly emulate some of this stuff as vector but it, it starts to get complicated really quick and after yeah. a while you're like oh i might as well just be a low-grade png um which lotties do support you can have a png in there um that's fine so it's just kind of like that kind of thing like how small can i get this before it just turns into garbage and you know uh and that same thing goes with the audio uh we do a lot of tweaking with the audio and we use howler as uh, I, I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but that is how we kind of rein in all the issues that uh, that uh, web-based audio uh, has, uh, especially across devices. You're talking about, you know, especially mobile devices and that sort of thing. Um, Apple has a lot of issues about, you know, uh, auto triggering of audio. So right, Howler right. is how we kind of uh, 
how we kind of rein in everything because especially with this new game with Wheel of Fortune, I mean, we are triggering audio constantly. There's a right. voiceover going every like five seconds, it yeah. seems like, and there's clicks, there's bops, there's music, there's uh, all that stuff. Another thing that uh, comes into play that we used Howler for was I wanted to do adaptive music. You know, I wanted to be able to, as you move into, you know, again, Jeopardy does not have music in it normally. So we, we licensed this material and uh, it, which was great because some of the, some of the music that we got approved came as stems and stems are for those who don't know in the listening, you know, stems are basically you've got a recorded piece and someone, the producer has broken out, like, give me just the keys, give me just the, the horns, give me just the drums, and you have all these stems, if you will, and you can then mix and match what you need. And that's, of course, what all games would use if, in, if you're doing adaptive music. You're going to take a piece of music, and it's going to swell here, like you entered a new room, let's say, or you mm -hmm. entered, you're in melee of some sort with, you know, all of a sudden, the music isn't going to all of a sudden, you know, cut to a different you know, piece, yeah. it's going to, you know, slowly swell into this cool battlefield that just seamlessly, it's like somebody, some orchestra is watching you, right? I'm I'm preaching to the choir now. Everybody already knows what I'm talking about. But <laughs> I wanted to bring, I wanted to bring, you know, the this, this stuff that, you know, you guys get to use all the time, you know, and you use most likely middleware to do that. I was like, well, how can we do that? You know, we're on the web, we can't use some cool middleware that makes it super easy and awesome. Um, so Howler was a way to do that. And what I did was I built out, uh, I don't know how many stems I had of the music, but basically it was the same piece of music. And depending on where you, where you are in the game, we would, you know, add in drums here. It's like, okay, now you're in the solving part. All of a sudden, you know, the drums kick in and it's not as dramatic of a, change you you know you would get in a like a console game or something where you're yeah. like you know you're you know you're fighting people and you've got all this you know tons of music well, you know, i was I just really thinking like even four. in even in console games having those multiple streams of m music in sync rising and falling that even on something like a high-end pc or a or a console is a, is really hard to do well so just like yeah. as you describe it i'm like Oh man, and on the web, oh boy, like yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah, Howler yeah, is, totally. is it's like a JavaScript framework. Is that and that is is your middleware essentially? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And um, I, you know, I they had already been using it for other things, so I it wasn't something I brought to the table. So I'm not really that in depth about its capabilities. So there's a, you know, I just said, how do you want to approach this? Do you want me to? Uh, do you want me to give you different mixes? Do you want me to, you know, what? Are, how are we going to solve this? And we tried different ways. What we landed on was we're just going to play these streams, uh, you know, from the get-go. Boom. Mm -hmm. You know, clack. <laughs> Everything's playing, right? Let's say you got five streams of music and they're just all playing. And all you're doing is control. And that helps on things like iOS and stuff where you can't like midstream start triggering stuff that doesn't that isn't user-defined, right? The user yeah. didn't do anything. So how are you triggering audio? You're going to have problems on different devices. So we just like started the game, you know, on load, everything goes. 
and it, and uh, you're basically just muting everything. So you're muting the things that you're not using, and then instead of just like unmuting, you're you know voluming up, right? And so the mm-hmm. different the piece will change as it's kind of like a producer sitting at his, uh, at his console, just like vol, you know, using the <laughs> faders. It's like yeah. okay, here we are, add that, and we we figure out what the how many you know milliseconds is uh, too abrupt or too long, you know, to make that impact, right? So. So in the hamster, the the crew of hamsters that's running the internet, there's now one that's like in front of a soundboard. <laughs> totally, total, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I like how you're describing um, um, all of these tools and things because like I think it just it like there's a lot of work that goes into this to make these the, these these games work for all of these clients that you have, um, and I think right. that, like um, I I was actually I was a bit curious as to like how much um input you have on how, what the client can put in the stuff i know that you described that like um you, you you there are a lot of limiters in there like you can't make can't have a thing more than um, 250 characters in in a box or whatever um in the in the grids in jeopardy four by three or however they probably wanted to I'm sure there are some clients that want it to be like seven by ten and that's ridiculous right <laughs> <laughs> right right but but um uh, can you can you go into detail about like um, how how much input that you like that you have on, for clients to help them make a product that would best serve um, the the people they're trying to teach? Well, that's that's an interesting thing too. So a lot of these games uh, we're building without a client attached. You know, right. so you're thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we we definitely. Uh, think about our client base, people we've worked with, people that uh, we will reach out and say, hey, there's, we've got this coming out, you know, um, and we might pick a, a few people's brains on on things. But a lot of it we know, because, you know, we do a lot of pharmaceutical. And it's just like, imagine that in uh, Wheel of Fortune, where you're solving a puzzle, and you've got like, you know, there's 17 Z's in this... Uh, <laughs> D. It's not an actual drug. I made that up. It's not. Maybe it is. I don't know. You don't know. Sounds like home. Sounds like homeopathy to me. I don't know. Lots of woo. (laughs) But you know, that's the thing. We got to think about like all of these potentials. Right. And uh, it's so much different than doing a custom game where you know what you're you know what you're building for. Yeah. And you know I'm I'm retrofitting a piece right now that was for uh, these COPD doctors, right? And the content is really cool. It's like these illustrators made these uh, these illustrated characters, and they're they have speech bubbles coming up, and it's very like comic book style, right? Really cool look. But because it was built for a very specific use, you can't really reuse it. And uh, none of us on the team that are building, like there was, you know, uh, it's a branching dialogue game. So I, I don't even know if you can call this a game, but it's basically, you know, depending on your answer, you're branching yourself through the conversation. And then, of course, you're getting you're getting rated on how well you're <laughs> managing this patient, right? This is a doctor-patient uh, conversation. And uh, there was four uh, scenarios already done uh, years ago and how they solved it, because again, this is web-based, was instead of video, they used animated SVGs, right? <laughs> and uh, But there wasn't any audio. That wasn't part of the, the spec. So you've got 
four of these scenarios that are like, it's just them talking and it's cool because it looks like a comic book. So you're loving the look and feel of it, but it has no energy and you're just clicking continue, 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 because you can only have a couple of speech bubbles up because people are having to read these, right? Yeah. So it's like, I'm, I'm done reading. Okay, continue. So you're just hitting this continue button forever until you get to the questions. Whereas now they said, well, can we, can we add the voiceover to these? Because we want, you know, and that was a big ball of wax because we didn't have working files. So I had to kind of do a shoehorn scenario where we captured the SVGs, made them video, uh, synced them to audio. And, but now we're kind of able to bridge the gap of these conversations. So you, instead of like, continue, 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 you can just kind of listen to it. And, uh, and of course, read it if you're going to read it. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that, you know, this, we have a fifth one that we're building now, and now we get to take it from beginning to end. So we're illustrating, animating, and adding that, that, uh, the voiceover, uh, as opposed to trying to add voiceover to pre-existing animation. And by the way, since these were just animated SVGs, it's like, I call them the clacker face. Cause all they were doing just like they they didn't have a lot of, what do you call it? F- um, Phonemes? Phenom- Phonemes, phonemes. There was like maybe like you know like four four mouth movements for for everything. So yeah. it was pretty pretty horrible. So uh, and we were syncing or we were trying to sync pre existing content to audio, which was murder. It was just an editing nightmare because mm-hmm. we're talking about hundreds of clips. Okay. Whereas now now we're at, you know now we're animating and animating to the voiceover like proper stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I brought that up. Why? Because you, your question was about custom uh, or, or your question was about like, you know, building for the client's needs. I guess what I'm getting at is this custom build was for, for a very, you know, specific need. Right. And you, you can just, just from what I was describing, you can see how many hours go into this. Yeah. And then it's a one-off and it's like, mm-hmm. that was really expensive and you can't use it again. And, um, I would love to build that same thing with that amount of cool styling, but then have responsiveness, uh, flexibility of content and, uh, endless, you know, a handful of different characters to pop in. Right. And yeah. it's like, I bet we could do it for the same cost. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of times when you make, um, when you make bespoke products for a client who has feedback directly, you make only what they ask for. You don't, right? right? But when you're making a product for a potential customer, which uh, just as a as a you know plain old commercial game designer, you want to make a game, put it out on PC. That you're doing that for them. You're you don't know who your player is. Um, right. You know, we, when you're working in, in client work, you often do. But it, but for the projects you're describing, you kind of get to imagine a potential client or a range of clients, and it it's harder because you don't know what they need. But also, you get to kind of you get to build these systems that um, that are flexible. Where and and then you have to you have to you have to turn the wheel. You have to decide. You have to f- figure out how to make these efficient. Whereas if you're making something bespoke, it's you, you you're not asked to flex that muscle. And just by nature, it's going to be less efficient, even though you're not spending any less time making it. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. I think I think this little. Uh, you know, having to do this work in browser on, uh, you know, non bespoke platform where they can put any content that it's like a boot camp, And I feel, mm-hmm. 
empowered by it. I really do. I feel like <laughs> taking all constraints away, the magic that I feel like my brain could do when you do have bespoke, uh, you know, uh, content to build or you're building a game or something. I feel like a superhero right now, a little bit, because I've been in boot camp for the last three years. I've been with this company <laughs> doing this stuff that like no one should do. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're really, oh, this is so hard. Isn't there a better way? Um, one and, lesson you uh, walk away with, dear listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely... Uh, it's opened my eyes a lot and mm -hmm. it does require you to flex your muscles um, on, you know, the UX uh, horizon, you know, as far as the end user is unknown. And that's, that's, that's what's wild about it. Mm -hmm. You know, usually when you're, you, you're, you're thinking like a UX designer, you know, or a creative director who's thinking about all the pieces, you know, you know, the end user and you're trying to empathize and build for that user and this is like so different where it's like uh this could be anybody this could be some something that fits perfectly or something that is just shoehorned in there how can we build for both mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well alan we're kind of at the end of our hour but we have a couple more things to ask you sure and the i guess the couple more things is you know, where can people find you on the internet if they want to learn more about the work you do or the other types of work that you do or <laughs> the other other types of work that you do? <laughs> the game agency is where I work. So the training, uh, the gameagency.com. Our platform is called the Training Arcade. Find that online. I'm in a group. I'm in the Blenders. Go to theblenders.com and you can see where my musical background came from. Uh, we actually, you know, still tour uh, just for the holidays, mm. um, which is kind of fun because every every year you get to kind of like uh, stop doing your day job and kind of go be like a, a get on stage and get in front of thousands of people. And that's kind of cool. Um, and, the, and this past year, we weren't able to do that, but we we instead did a Kickstarter and it actually it like Kickstarter. God, we've. We've never wanted to do something like that before, but this, you know, COVID made it made sense for us to dip our toe into crowdfunding and, and it actually worked. I'm like, who's going to give us money to shoot <laughs> video of us singing in a studio instead of appearing in concert? And it actually worked. It worked really well. And we finally got some video on us, which we have not done in years and years. So um, that's on YouTube. You can find the blenders uh, on YouTube and see all those have, uh, Christmas, our, our Christmas music that we did uh, during COVID, and that worked out pretty well. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, Alan, thanks for being on the show um, and for giving us all these tips and all the tools that we are going to promptly Google afterwards. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll hit you up the next time we do a big game jam and see if you want to join our group. Yeah, there you go. And you know what? You can have me on again, and we can actually talk about Adobe XD, which, by the way, I will not shut up about that. Uh, <laughs> I've used a lot of UX tools, and it's it's lighter than some, but I swear mm -hmm. it's better in many ways. So <laughs> next time we'll just we'll we'll just geek out about uh, that. We're hyping it now. It'll come in the future. <laughs> That's our show. Check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topics. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and on our programming in general. 
Go to nicegames.club slash feedback and tell us what you think. Remember, there's a new feedback form. It's real good. <laughs> you can also get in touch with us on Twitter at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and grappling hook gameplay. Or you can email us through contact at nicegames.club. Want to support the show? There are so many ways. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about your favorite episodes. Join us on Discord by visiting nicegames.club Discord. And now we're on Patreon. We've had that in the show for a while. Maybe we could just be like, and we're on Patreon. <laughs> no, no, no. It's got to be, Patre- it's got to feel brand new every time. So, <laughs> we're so now like, on Patreon. Yeah, it's like, so it feels like urgent. Like, yeah. Ah. And now we're on Patreon. I don't know. <laughs> so we're, st- we're still on Patreon. Still, still. <laughs> they tried to get rid of us. And as a patron of the show, you'll enjoy bonus content, um, such as Dylan's Dango Diatribe, extra jokes, and more. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.